Hello, beautiful people. Welcome and welcome back to Behind the Silk, the podcast to help you prioritize yourself and explore different self-care practices. I am your host, Erica Nicole, the founder of Silk and Skincare. And in today's episode, we are going to discuss prioritizing rest as a workaholic. I am a recovering workaholic, constantly navigating this landscape of work-life balance. I'm a brand founder, a podcaster, I still work a nine to five, and I have a ton of other roles, responsibilities, and obligations in my personal life as well. So working, executing, getting things done, that's just what I do. And throughout my self-care journey, I've learned a lot about the importance of rest and how to do it. I've come to a lot of realizations as to why it's something I've struggled with for this long, and that's what I'm here to share with you today. I want to define what rest actually means because I feel like we have a misconstrued concept of what rest actually is. Understand the seven different types of rest. Identify some of the patterns and emotions that come with being a workaholic. And most importantly, highlight practical ways that we can prioritize rest in our personal lives. But first, today's affirmation reads, As long as I'm doing my best, that is enough. Take a moment and receive that. I have always been an overachiever, (laughs) dating back to my grade school years. I was an honor roll student. I was always presented with awards and accolades, scholarships, leadership opportunities, things like that. As a teenager, I always knew I wanted to make a lot of money one day. (laughs) I went to a private school all my life, and in high school specifically, I had friends and classmates that were a lot more privileged and more well-off financially than I was. So even as a teenager, I always knew I wanted to make money because I understood the impact and influence that financial freedom had. Fast forward into my adulthood, I came to the realization that for me to make the money I wanted to make, to have the influence and the impact I wanted to have, entrepreneurship was my best bet. There's this common misconception about entrepreneurship that once you start your own business, you have all of this time and financial freedom, which can come in time, absolutely, especially if you build a good business. But for the majority of us, It doesn't start out that way. You literally leave your nine to five to work what feels like 24 seven. So that's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I think about Silken and this podcast all the time, like all the time. And in the earlier days, back in 2020, early 2023, when I first initially started building the brand on my own, There were times that I would spend 90% of my day hunched over my laptop working. I was a solopreneur doing everything in my business with no resources to hire outside help. And for that reason, I justified not eating well, not going outside and getting sunlight, not exercising, not upkeeping my household responsibilities. 
all in the name of having to work on Silken. Looking back on it now, I can see that it consumed me. But more often than not, when you're in it, you have so many blind spots that certain poor decisions and behaviors don't resonate as a problem to you. But workaholism is not exclusive to entrepreneurship. That's just been my journey thus far because I've always had a different perspective when it came to setting healthy boundaries and expectations with the roles I've accepted in corporate America. Don't get me wrong, I am a great employee, I'm great at what I do, and I take pride in my work, but I've never been the one to care more about building someone else's company at the expense of my well-being because I've seen firsthand how indispensable we are to many of these organizations. No matter how much they tell you they value you or incentivize you to stay, you will always be replaceable. That's just a life lesson. However, in the same breath, people become workaholics for a variety of different reasons. They have a strong work ethic. This is the category I feel I fall under. It's ingrained in us from childhood or cultural influences, and we typically believe that working hard is essential in order to be successful. Spoiler alert, (laughs) the major key is to work smarter, not harder. Validation and recognition. Workaholics tend to attach their self-worth and level of accomplishment to their professional achievements and in turn seek validation and recognition as a motivating factor. Financial pressures and obligations can also drive people to overwork. Feeling compelled to earn more money to support themselves, their families, or to maintain their desired lifestyle even. Job insecurity. Feeling the need to prove your value or worth to a company so that you don't get fired, which is just insane. (laughs) Perfectionism, struggling to delegate tasks or set boundaries because you want everything done to your exact standards. Some people use work as a way to escape from their personal problems, relationship issues, mental struggles, or emotional challenges going on behind closed doors that other people may not know about. For others, Their work is their passion, and I love that. They genuinely enjoy what they do and find fulfillment in throwing themselves into their work. Fear of failure or underachievement is also a driving factor for many people to work excessively. That constant worry of falling short of expectations or not meeting certain standards. Traditional work culture as we know it plays a huge role in nurturing workaholic behavior. Companies reward long hours, prioritize productivity over well-being, or lack work-life balance initiatives make overworking seem like something that should be glorified, which it shouldn't be. Because I think as we've transitioned into the work-from-home model and hybrid models post-2020, a lot of companies have honestly come out and said that they see more productivity from their employees when they have flexible work schedules, when they have unlimited PTO and things of these natures. So I think we are on the brink of challenging traditional work culture norms, and I think we're starting to see a shift in that area. But last and not least, a lack of other fulfilling activities. This one right here is huge because if you lack hobbies, social connections, or other sources of fulfillment outside of work, then your work becomes your identity, which is no bueno. (laughs) 
not good at all. Before we continue, I think it's important that we define what a workaholic is and what rest is so that we're on the same page and we're talking about the same thing. According to Google, because I mean, Google doesn't lie, a workaholic is defined as a person who works compulsively. A workaholic experiences an inability to limit the amount of time they spend on work despite negative consequences such as damage to their relationships or health. Rest means to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. An instance or period of relaxing or ceasing to engage in strenuous or stressful activity. Something I used to tell myself all the time was that I'm not a workaholic, I'm just ambitious. And my therapist checked me on that really quick. There's a thin line between being ambitious and being a workaholic. Ambition is a mindset where workaholism is an addiction. I'm a very ambitious person. I have very advantageous goals and aspirations, and I hold myself to a very high standard. But when it gets to the point where my diet suffers, my fitness suffers, my sleep suffers, my relationships suffer, I've crossed the line into workaholism and it's time to reel it back in and get my priorities realigned. And through a lot of self-work and therapy, I've gotten a lot better at recognizing when I'm slipping back into unhealthy patterns so that I can course correct before things get out of hand. But as someone who has workaholic tendencies, that's what I call it nowadays, <laughs> resting and prioritizing rest is much easier said than done because for a lot of us, it's not a switch that you just turn off. It goes much deeper than that. And it's important to note that rest comes in different forms. In the book Sacred Rest by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, I hope I'm saying her name right, she highlights that not doing work does not mean that you're resting. Rest is doing something restorative. For example, have you ever gone through the weekend and get back to work on Monday still feeling tired and lethargic? It's most likely because even though you are not formally working, you still may have had other responsibilities to take care of and you didn't participate or partake in any activities that filled your cup, so to speak. And in the book, she goes on to discuss the seven types of rest that are often lacking in people. So one is physical. There's active rest and passive rest. Active rest is doing things to relax your body, such as working out. And passive rest is sleeping, for example. The second is spiritual. This deals with your relationship with God. The third is mental. This refers to having mental quietness and removing busyness from your mind. The fourth is emotional. This refers to venting and feeling emotionally accepted. Five is sensory. This is where you can allow your senses to quiet down by reducing input or stimulation. We know that we are constantly overstimulated nowadays. Six is creative. This allows beauty to create something within you. And seven is social, where you surround yourself with life-giving people rather than people who always need something from you. 
this was such an eye opener for me because I thought rest was just rest, you know, but once you're able to break it down and identify the specific areas of rest you may be lacking in, it becomes easier to address. It also challenges you to increase your self-awareness so that you can respond and care for your body in the way it needs to be nurtured at that particular time. I hope I'm making sense. Now, there are many different feelings that can arise from being a workaholic, and I wanted to highlight a few that really had me in a chokehold (laughs) and what I found worked for me to make it through to the other side. So feeling overwhelmed, constantly having a million thoughts running through my mind at any given time. I had to train myself to ask myself the question, is this a today problem? If yes, then I can take action. If no, then I can let it go. It's like you have to create folders in your brain and categorize things accordingly. I also found that making lists, journaling, getting things out of your head and onto a piece of paper or my notes app clears up a ton of mental space, giving my brain the capacity to rest. Feeling anxious, like there's never enough time in the day. Consider time blocking. Write down the top three to five things you need to do in a given day and allocate dedicated time in your calendar to get them done. I will literally block off periods of time on my calendar so that I can't schedule any meetings or anything like that. I have to be very intentional. And what I've come to learn about myself is that many of the things I drag out all day could actually be done more effectively and efficiently if I were to just set aside an hour or two for dedicated work. More often than not, when I feel like I'm running out of time, it's because I'm not tracking where my time is going, and what you don't track escapes you. That can go for many other things too. Time, money, resources, you name it. When you can pinpoint what has your attention and where you're spending your time, it allows you to naturally be more productive. And I don't know about you, but When I feel like I've had a productive day, when I've completed a to-do list, I'm able to rest just a little bit easier. Feeling waves of self-doubt or depression when you're not seeing the results you want to see from the work you're putting in. When I'm feeling this way, the best thing I can do is refer back to my why. Why did I start this journey in the first place? Why have I kept going this long even when I've had every opportunity to quit? Why do I have this dream and vision for my life that is just so vivid that I can't shake no matter how hard I try? Why? And then once I remind myself of my why, I circle back and ensure that my goals and plan of action are aligned with my why. Are the things I'm doing and working on today getting me closer to my end goal? If they are, cool, keep going. If not, What do I need to pivot to get back on course? Maybe it's my type A personality, but there's something about having a plan that just does it for me. It's very soothing. Feeling addicted to consuming information. New is always exciting. So when you uncover something new, you typically jump into it 10 toes down because you have all of these positive feelings associated with this thing. During the height of the entrepreneurship wave in 2020, people were consuming a ton of information about how to make money online 
because we couldn't go outside. And many realized that job security isn't a real thing. I know people, many people, including myself, who became addicted to consuming information about crypto, stocks, dropshipping, e-com, scaling marketing agencies, baseless cash cow YouTube channels, content creation, real estate, credit repair, the list goes on. Learning new information having a desire to learn is great, but too much of anything can still have negative effects. It can cause you to feel overwhelmed, like we touched on earlier, and it can cause confusion, often referred to as analysis paralysis, in which you now have so much information that it prevents you from actually taking action. To this day, I still fall victim to that at times. I listen to a ton of business-related podcasts and YouTube channels because that's just the season that I'm in right now. I'm building my business. But I also have to be proactive about incorporating fun and entertaining content into my rotation to keep sane at this point. So being conscious about monitoring my exposure to new information helps me wind down my brain just a little bit. And on the flip side, when people ask me for questions or information, I also try not to info dump on them as well. I like to break things down into simple, more actionable steps or pieces of information so that they don't get overloaded either. But the biggest thing that has helped me rest in my moments of restlessness is the spiritual aspect of it all. Understanding that God is in control, that my worry should never be louder than my worship, that God goes before me in everything that I do. He knows my today, my yesterday, my tomorrow. Understanding that worrying will not add a single hour to my life, that I should worry about nothing and pray about everything, and choosing to believe that everything he allows to happen is for my good. Knowing that I can cast my worries and burdens onto him so that my load is light to carry is literally the most comforting thing my mind still can't fully comprehend. And that in itself gives me the peace of mind to rest up. To bring this full circle, I want to wrap this up and answer the question, how do we rest in a way that is restorative? As cliche as it may sound, the answer is quite simple. Partaking in self-care activities. A simple concept that's easier said than done. It's literally the premise of this podcast. Exploring different self-care practices. The power of journaling in episode 23. The benefits of sound healing in episode 32. The magic of stretch therapy in episode 36. Exercising, meditation, breath work, sleeping, reading, praying, spending time with friends and family, spending time outdoors, eating nutritiously, the list goes on. I'll link those episodes in the show notes for you to check out after this one, but the point being that you need to find time in your day and activities that align with your self-care goals and make doing them a priority. Having goals is one thing, but executing on them is a completely different category. 
And if you feel like you need a little extra support in this area, make sure to download our free Ultimate Self-Care Guide linked below. It'll walk you step-by-step -step through the process of creating a self-care routine catered to your lifestyle, and it's packed with amazing resources to help support you along your journey. Remember that you cannot pour from an empty cup, so you have to keep yourself filled as well. That's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you feel encouraged to rest. Work will always be there. There will always be something else to do. But your health and well-being should always, always, always be your number one priority. Remember that self-care is a journey and that you don't have to do this walk alone. So make sure that you are subscribed and following the show on the podcast platform you're listening on right now. If you found this conversation helpful, please leave a rating and review. It really helps this show reach the people who need it so we can continue to grow together. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Behind the Silk Pod. And remember that the best part of today is you.